Since time immemorial, indigenous people have lived, traveled, and traded in the Puget Sound region. The Donation Land Act of 1850 to encourage westward expansion allowed American settlers to claim these traditional native lands. The explosion of immigration into the region that followed forced the U.S. government into a fraught treaty-making process with local tribes. The original terms of the Medicine Creek Treaty were inadequate and ultimately unaccepted by tribal leaders resulting in war. The Indigenous Voices podcast is an extension of the award-winning Puget Sound Treaty War Panel series and Fort Nisqually Living History Museum. The podcast advances tribal voices in the telling of Puget Sound history and shares tribal knowledge and expertise with wider audiences. Monuments and memorials to the Treaty War can be found throughout Western Washington. Many of these monuments were placed over a century ago and reflect a one-sided and racist view of the conflict. In episodes 11 and 12, we discuss these monuments, how tribal participants experience them, and we ask what a monument that provided an opportunity for reconciliation and learning would look like. This is part one. I'm Brandon Rainon. I'm the Tribal Historic Preservation Officer and Acting Director for the Historic Preservation Department for the Puyallup Tribe. I'm also a Puyallup Tribal member. Hello, my name is Warren King George. I'm an enrolled member of the Muckleshoot Indian Tribe on my father's side. And on my mother's side, I descend from the Upper Skagit Tribe. Nancy Bullchild, Nisqually Indian Tribe. Director of Archives and Tribal Historic Preservation Office, tribal member and uh, tribal elder. Hi, my name is Danny Marshall and I am the current chair of the Stillicum Indian Tribe. I've been working on issues supporting the cultural knowledge of our people since about 1980 and have uh, a passion for making sure that the expertise of the tribal people is shared in a good way. We think about memorials and, and such, uh, the first ones that come to mind are the ones that we have in Pierce County um, that talk about, you know, the ones that are, you know, talk about us savages attacking these uh, innocent military guys, you know, that were just out there promoting the peace and the tranquility of this land and savagely attacked, you know, by these natives who were just being nuisances to their, their plan, right? So the ones that come to mind, obviously, the, the one out by Bonnie Lake that talks about soldiers being killed. And there's ones over at on the Puyallup River that highlight the, the fort that was there and that was established on our crossing, <laughs> you know, and the uh, on the, the trail crossing when i think of memorials and that sort of thing you know that's what comes to mind is just uh, there's no real memorials for us there's no real memorials that talk about our warriors um you know about our our sacrifices that are out there we're, we're having to to work with city you know cities and and departments on their projects to get 
sign is just to get our story out there told um you know because there's, there's just nothing out there really for for our people we have our own you know on a reservation where we have you know, recognition of memorials for you know, our members who served in the world wars and vietnam wars that sort of thing uh, we're, we're working on getting uh, future memorials that we're doing but yeah, there just isn't for Puyallup. There just isn't that much as far as memorials go. I think those memorials need to be changed. Um, they because they, they portray an inaccurate version of the history. The whites didn't even win the war for crying out loud, you know. <laughs> and so, um, but yet because they were more populous than they were able to do the memorials and create the narrative that they wanted to to have. I I don't see a problem with having the memorials near. Our memorials, um, just so that people can see what, the accurate history <laughs> versus the romanticized history. I think you know, you know, Muckleshoot's done a great job with getting that started. Their their Tree War Memorial is amazing. I love the little uh, calls out all the warriors that were there. I think there's room for that where we can have our side um, told right next to the memorials that are set up by Pierce County. The history of, of our area is not an easy one for most people to hear. That's what these memorials got to be doing. They got to be telling the history so that people understand what we went through. But that also shows the perseverance, the strength of our ancestors that has allowed us to be who we are today. And so if we're going to memorialize anything, it has to be done in a manner that accurately portrays what happened and is truthful and is open um, and, and not covered up like what we have with uh, whitewashed uh, memorials that are out there they, they they cover up so much and it's so romanticized you know we need to talk about the, the truthfulness behind all this if we're going to put memorials up and recognize those true warriors who who fought for recognize what they gave up and recognize what they went through and how they represented their people and and what they sacrificed to become the the leaders and the warriors that we know them today when it comes to visiting like uh, Leshai's memorial, even if it's at Cushman Cemetery or when I visited down there at that mall area down there towards Nisqually's area, those memorials it has a there is a respect, uh, there is a somber um, emotion that comes like a, you recognize what happened here in this spot, or at least near this spot. Uh, an innocent man who you know was hung for doing what any white man has been doing, you know, and he he was it was a battle scene. He was fighting for his people. Uh, you recognize what Leshai did, so you have that reverence. Now, when I go visit or drive by even these other memorials, it's like, a, you know, give them the bird, you know, give them the finger, you know, F you on your your version of the history. It's really what, I mean, it, it's an anger. It's a, it's an aggression that comes out of just like, that's a lie, you know, that's not the truth. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely, it, it's strong negative emotions when I visit um, or drive by these memorials for the warrior, the the soldiers, and and they're such. And even when you when you look at when you're naming, you know, places like I'm glad they changed Auburn just from Slaughterville because Slaughter, you know, we we know of what type of man he was. But even when you drive by anything recognizing Stevens or even his son Stevens, that sort of thing, those are names on important peaks, that sort of thing. You know, you get that like, oh, but if you only knew, you know, if, if people only knew what they were. You know, celebrating. Yeah. So it's it's a negative 
it's a, definitely a negative emotion versus the visiting the tribal areas. And, you know, even if there's no memorials, you know, we go to places that we don't have archaeology and there's not an official memorial, but we know that as we're, we're doing the archaeology, we're, we're, we're interacting with our ancestors physically, but there's also a spiritual presence um, when we're doing this work. Uh, and you could feel the presence of your ancestors uh, sometimes and uh, most of the times. And, uh, you know, that, that, that creates that same reverence as if you're at a memorial. So you're, it's an unofficial memorial, but it still has the same uh, feelings when you're visiting those memorials for like Leshai. My personal reaction as a Native American, the first thing that comes to mind, what typically happens is I say a prayer and honor that uh, honor that event, you know, honor the, uh, the warriors, uh, honor the our tribal representatives that were there and involved, honor the lives that were lost there, and also honor the the people that uh, survived it. You know, there's. Of course, prayers go out to the warriors and to the to the warriors that fell on the battlefield, and to the to the uh, leaders that were the thinkers, the ones that who established the what you know what position, what direction are we going to take against these settlers, against this government that wants our resources, uh, not because they're hungry, not because they're not because they're um, they're they're shushabab in our language, not because they're poor and pitiful. It's because they were greedy. They simply wanted this to to benefit their bank accounts, not to feed their people. It's, they wanted this land and these resources to, you know, to sell. Whereas our battle was, we want to feed our people. We want to house our people. We want to take care of our people. That's where that fight comes from deep within. You know, people use... Uh, uh, treaty rights and inherent rights, but that but the drive really comes from deep within the heart and soul. That my children need food, my grandparents need fish, my my aunties and uncles need deer meat and elk meat, berries, etc. So, so when I see these monuments, uh, these are uh, acknowledgments of efforts. Not not just by the by the tribal effort, but also the the settlers' effort, the government at that time, the government's efforts to separate and and make that distinction between man and land, separating us, trying to prevent us from uh, utilizing these uh, resources and regulations. You know, these trying to uh, overregulate and. You know, all these feelings that when you see these monuments, like Brandon re referenced, they oftentimes get it wrong, or at least the, the verbiage is one-sided. And so you get this perspective of this historical event, uh, historical place, but you only get the non-Native uh, perspective. And oftentimes it's, it's wrong. So you you know, you wish you could uh, rewrite it or at least revisit the the project that created these monuments. And there's, you know, there's a completely different side, another side to this, a truthful side and a, a Native American, a First People side. You know, for me, monuments, I agree with Warren, they're one-sided, very one-sided. 
if they're going to keep them, they need to update them because there, there is another side to that story. For tribal people, we didn't need a monument. Our landmarks and landscape was our monuments for everything we did, whether it was gathering for baskets, for food, traveling. So to us, this wasn't something that we did because we already knew how to get from one place to another or what was at that site. So we go specific places to gather cedar. We go specific places to gather shellfish, to fish. So you didn't need the monument to say that what was happening there. But for tribal people, it's also there were sacred sites. You didn't want a monument up there to tell people where you go. Some of the people went to seek their power or whatever. You didn't want people knowing where that was. There was no thought of putting monuments there. Same thing, anything that happened you see in a lot of these monuments, it's tragic. So many people were killed and it's like, why do we want to see that? You know, for tribal people, that site would have a different meaning. You know, there was a reason we fought for it. There was a reason we were trying to protect it. There was a reason we were trying to keep it. You know, with monuments, I've read them, but like I said, there's never enough background and it does, it does make you upset. And you really don't want your kids to read it. But if they're going to continue, it should be updated like what Muckleshoot did. Put the other side of the story, because there's always two sides to a story. So that's kind of what we're trying to do with the Leshi, you know, with the marker being damaged and the information from the exoneration. To give that history of why Leshi was hung in the first place, you know, but a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of times there's just not enough history. There's not enough background information at these monuments. But it needs to happen. There needs to be the other side of it. So monuments are kind of lacking. And of course, they don't have a lot of space to add information either. You know, how do people get the, the real history? That's that's important for us as we, you know, worked through this whole piece about the Madison Creek Treaty Wars and everything else, getting the, the, his, the missing history out there. And I think monuments have a lot of missing history still there's another monument i've got mixed feelings about there's a parking lot uh off of stillicum boulevard where leshi was hung and so you put a monument there as a location but you know it kind of what do you think about that is that a a celebration of here's the tree that that Leshi was hung on, or do, do people get the rest of the history that goes along with that? And there is some good history that people can learn about that. And so where do they get that from and, and how do you update that is, is the big question. The reason that was the location was because the officers and and enlisted people at Fort Stillicum objected to Leshi's conviction and were up in arms against that. And were actually under lockdown when they came and and took Leshi out from where he was being held at at Fort Stillicum and and went off site because they they were fearing that they would have an uprising of of the military folk as well. And we know today, the rest of that story has been rectified and people know that that he was hung inappropriately for war crimes that probably weren't committed by him. And But that's not a part of the monument, right? And it's not very visible either. So people have to stumble across that monument 
really. They really ha- do have to just, oops, what's that I just tripped over? <laughs> I, I'll say this. I'm personally against those roadside monuments that represent where somebody died alongside the road in an auto wreck of some collision or something. That's not the story of that person's life, nor is the hanging of Leshi the story of his life. It's it's a part of the story, and it's an important part. Having a monument somewhere else may be an opportunity to tell the rest of the story instead of, you know, monumenting that place of death. The monuments reflect the opinions during that era. It's a statement that provides us insight into how our European neighbors perceived not only the event, but the what the event represents, what the war, what the battle represents, what it was about. And even though it gets it wrong, and even though it, it's extremely negative, one solution would be to, to erect a monument by the tribes that provides information and more background into why we we as as the tribal people of that era why were they so adamant about about this war and about this conflict about what was at stake and i think that's what needs to be presented people will get a a sense of what we as natives are are dealing with when we see these monuments and and how wrong they are and what they represent. I think that non-natives, if we were to summarize into two paragraphs what that uh, battle meant to us and still does to this day, what it, I think we'd get a complete different reaction from our European neighbors if we were able to to share a little bit of what was at stake. But it would also give non-natives a taste of what we as Native Americans, what we when we see these monuments and and what they represent and how wrong they are, until they get to say, "Oh my gosh!" and they have to see that. I would hate to drive by that every single day. I really would. It'd be disturbing. We've bought into the the idea that this post treaty village that we now call Muckleshoot, where I live, you know, I have to call that home. But it's it's better than than the other alternative, which was to simply just disappear, get folded into the, into the population, and or maybe just move to the mountains and disappear. Mm-hmm. But right, the cup's half full, and it's half empty. What was the purpose, and what was the end result? Well, we're still here talking about it, and we're still we're more open minded about it in this era, in this chapter. So I'm grateful for that. But I would love to have a another monument providing the voice of the Medicine Creek Treaty Tribes. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us monthly as we continue the conversation among diverse communities impacted by the treaty war and its aftermath. To learn more about the Puget Sound Treaty War, visit our tribal partner websites and fortnessqually.org, where you can watch our four-part panel series on the conflict. 
This podcast is generously supported by the Tacoma Historic Preservation Office and the Tacoma Arts Commission. Music by Vincent Johnson, Nooksack Lummy, and Nishani Johnson, Jamestown Sklalem Lummy. <laughs>